Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. So let me welcome to the show um, in class with Carr, Africana Studies. He also has a law degree, which is why it's so super important. But it's through this lens that we need to understand what is happening. Let me welcome the great Dr. Greg Carr. Hi. Professor Hunter. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad to see you. I love you. And you, yeah, we, we've been having these conversations now for two years. We haven't missed a Saturday and we haven't repeated ourselves. And you said, you know what? We need to create a space where we can have conversation build. And so I want to thank you for, in fact, the new normal. Mm-hmm. New, the new normal. It is it's, the new normal. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so free. <laughs> that's that's to you. Thank you, sis. Well, On behalf of all of us in the growing Nubian nation. Well, I want to thank the ancestors. Um, we have been sitting for the last four plus weeks with Octavia Butler, who also was not a prophet when she wrote in 1990s, uh, what we call Earthseed, Parable of the Sower, Parable of the Talent, in which she uh, identified a president named Donner, That's named right. Donner, who uh, whose slogan was Make America Great Again. That's right. And again, it doesn't take all day to recognize what is happening. You just have to pay attention. But what I want to say, those of you who are inclined to do something and you live someplace and you want to see something different, come join us in Nubia. We're going to tweet out the link. You got to go through narrative because it's not about being in Nubia. It's about being in narrative. Nubia is the extras, the cherry on the top, but it is everything. Because if you live somewhere and you want to organize, Eljoy Williams is in Nubia. Loree Daniel Favors is in Nubia. You want to organize in your particular state? We got master organizers and political strategists in Nubia. And if you are a political strategist, come over to Nubia. You live someplace. If you live in Texas, if you live in Florida, if you live in Alabama, if you live in in, in Louisiana, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Come in and build. Because what we see, Dr. Carr, is, you know, I said it was 40 years that they've been planning to overturn Roe v. Wade. You said 17 what was it 1789? <laughs> They've been planning when they, when, they, when they passed the federal constitution. I mean, this is this is a war, and and, and as you said, that's right. Narrative decay is silent, but as Black Thought said, it's imperative that we change the narrative. So <laughs> you got to come to narrative, and there's as much work there as you can stand. Organizing, thinking, working through, uh, bringing your skills. If you say, "Well, I don't have any skills," bring yourself. Don't worry. We get you got the skill of being you. And I love those three elements that you laid out at the very beginning. Number one, pay attention. Pay attention. That's how hard is that? I guess it is kind of hard because there's probably more people can name the number one draft pick in the NBA draft last night that could tell you why uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned. Number two, cares deeply. We all care deeply and there are going to be a whole lot more people who are caring as the police stand in front of the Supreme Court right now. I, I couldn't get down there, right? But I'm I, I, at some point I worked my way down. And then the third one in the wake of one and two, strategize. Strategize how to navigate power. You just laid that out beautifully, as you always do in this classroom and everywhere you are. But I mean, there it is. If y'all pay attention, care deeply and strategize, uh, we can take our chances. We'll be okay. So uh, today, the Supreme Court in a six to three decision that we already knew was going to happen because for weeks they they, they leaked it. But then they were like, who leaked it? You leaked it. You leaked it because you you knew that it was going to be a problem. You didn't want to surprise anybody. Uh, What'd you say, Smith? Five to four. I'm sorry. All right. Five to four on Friday. I read it was six to three everywhere. 
to uphold Mississippi law, six to three to uphold Mississippi law, five to four to overturn Roe v. Roe v. Wade. What are the what are the differences in these two? The Mississippi upholding six to three and a five to four to overturn Roe. Well, v. Wade. you know, John Roberts um, is is well, he's past scared. He's the architect of this court, uh, but he's not the leader. The leader of the court is a man who has such a deep, deep self hatred. Uh, couched really in a belief in the fantasy called United States of America that it almost appears as if it's pouring from his pores. And that would be Clarence Thomas from Pinpoint, Georgia. Uh, Clarence Thomas is, is potentially the leader of this court. Uh, his concurrence in the decision today. So Roberts is the one who would vacillate a little. But uh, Samuel Alito, who is a, Alito, who is a magnificently uh, a magnificent hater, to borrow the language of uh, uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries referring to Clarence Thomas. Uh, Alito's hatred is his 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 opinion was was just was just masterpiece. I got to give it to him. I mean, he's been chomping at the bit to do this. But that five for this between a five, four and a six, three in that case is Roberts just doesn't want to go down in history completely on the wrong side. But he did join in the uh, the decision to overturn Roe and the simplicity with which I wish I could find it quickly. The opinion here, because I've been reading it like everybody else. And I know we're going to talk about this at much more length, uh, probably tomorrow in class. Oh, here it is. Held. The Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. I love it. Sam, chef's kiss. You know, the people and their elected representatives is some BS. This is why I said 1787. See, I think, and without getting too deep into it, because again, we'll talk much more at length tomorrow and probably Monday night too, as we're working through Octavia Butler. Nobody was supposed, the idea of who is and isn't a citizen does not. And the idea of you who have to is, repeat that because you went out for a second. The the and I think that's all, almost uh, interesting. Yeah, that yeah. The, 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 who are, who is or is not a citizen? The idea of being a citizen. Elaborate. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't arrive with the white colonists. In other words, every every white person who set foot on this side of the ball during the period of colonialism was a subject of somebody's crown. They were subject of the crown. There's no citizens over here. They are all colonies. So when they move from subjects of the crown through various revolutions to citizens, they've got to make up what it means to belong to this polity they call countries. In the case of the United States, the federal constitution excluded the ab aboriginal people and us, the people of African descent. And but it never settled the question of who else was a citizen until later. And what happened was the glitch in the project that would be you and me and all the people who came before us fought our way out of enslavement, uh, forced a crisis in the country called the Civil War. And then they passed three amendments. The 13th said enslavement is abolished, except if you commit a crime. And, that, and believe me, y'all, when you read Clarence Thomas's concurrence in uh, Dobbs versus uh, Jackson's Women's Health Organization. Please understand that's the only thing standing between you and enslavement is the 13th Amendment. Now, of course, if you're a prisoner, you just SOL. Read Clarence Thomas's opinions and how he is hell on prisoners. But at any rate, the 14th Amendment then says that equal protection due process of law 
is guaranteed to all citizens. That's about as close as you get to a citizenship piece. That's the piece that Sam Alito kicked in the teeth in this Dobbs case in Jackson Women's Health because there are two types of due processes we call substantive due process and procedural due process. Procedural due process means before I discriminate you, fire against you, I got to give you a hearing. Substantive due process means at the hearing, we're going to legitimately think about the way what Alito and them say, there ain't no such thing as substantive due process. In other words, they kick that in the teeth. What Alito said in this decision is, if it ain't written down, then we don't believe it. And it's not there. He says there is no right to privacy. And then Clarence Thomas chomping at the bit in the concurrence. And why are we talking about no right to privacy? I'm going to get them contraceptives. I'm going to get you LBGT2 cues, and I'm looking at the right to marriage. Meanwhile, the racists are sitting there saying, we can't put y'all back in slavery, but I damn sure if I'm getting the votes in this state legislature, stop interracial marriage. Oh, loving people say, you're crazy. And Alito, <laughs> Alito in his decision spends a lot of time saying, this is not that, this is not that, this is not that. And you can almost hear him telling Clarence, not yet, not yet. We got the numbers. Don't scare the people. Don't scare the people. But Clarence Thomas, read his concurrence. This man done said, "I'm look. I'm thinking about Griswold versus Connecticut. I'm thinking about what this is what is Griswold. What is what is Griswold versus Connecticut? You're right to wrap it up. I'm sorry. Oh, contraceptive. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Thank because you. see, all of these rights, contraception, who you get to marry, who you all terminating the pregnancy, they come from something called privacy. And what they said is there ain't no word called privacy in this 1787 document or in any of the amendments. And you inferred it. This is what our friend and colleague Angie Porter and all the legal scholars and lawyers would call the penumbra of rights. In other words, it's a shadow that is inferred by judges interpreting what is meant by the language in the Constitution. Well, what they did uh, today is say, yeah, shadow my ass. There ain't nothing written in here. So the right uh, uh, privacy? No, sir. I'm sorry. You don't have a right to privacy. And what Clarence Thomas said, well, shit, if you ain't got a right to privacy, then you ain't got a right to rubbers. You ain't got a right to birth control pills. You ain't got a right. No. Oh, oh, you mean, you mean I can't have them? No. What I mean is that if in this state they pass the law that you can't have them, the Constitution of the United States can't save you. I love it. Okay. All right. 866 <laughs> Y'all have a chance to talk uh, with Dr. Greg Carr. He is here, um, yeah. Africana Studies scholar, as well as a legal scholar. He teaches that as well, the law. Let me ask you, okay, so Roe v. Wade, the, the Mississippi law is what? What is that? That is the, what, what's the difference between that and the overturning of Roe v. Wade? What's well, called a gestational age act, right? Provides that except in a medical emergency or in the case of severe fetal abnormality, a person shall not intentionally or unknowingly perform or induce an abortion of an unborn human being if the probable gestational age of the unborn human being has been determined to be greater than 15 weeks. So they're going to put the cap on 15 <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Yes. Texas, yes. Oklahoma, Louisiana, Kentucky, and South Dakota have yes. already passed laws banning abortions. That's exactly Even right. in case of incest, rape, the health mm -hmm. of the mother. So if you are a young person or an old person or a middle-aged person or any person with a uterus and you get pregnant in Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, Kentucky, and South Dakota, and I believe in Texas, if you go across to New York or someplace, or because these are Oklahoma's a neighboring state, Louisiana is to the is a neighboring state. If you go to a state that allows abortion 
and you come back, I think you're still in violation, correct? Well, here's what it here's where it becomes wonderful. It just becomes so wonderful. I love it. Y'all gotta understand. As an as a as a descendant of somebody who was dragged over here in chains, I have no investment in the current construct of something called the United States of America. It's a settler colony. You understand? And what I mean by that, turn to set the state, and this is where I say it's going to get very interesting. The same issue, at least close enough legally, the same issue now in terms of whether you travel somewhere, terminate a pregnancy and come back, whether you violate a law that is held, upheld to be constitutional, it's the same issue as Dred Scott. This is why you hear them comparing Dred Scott. In other words, if they had us enslaved, Professor Hunter, in Texas, and uh, we escaped to say, I don't know, New York. 1850 had some kind of fugitive slave act. They could drag you back to Texas because the Dred Scott case, 1857, said wherever you are in the United States, your status, if you are a person of African descent, follows you. Okay, now here's the question. If you live in Texas, get on a plane, get off in New York, terminate your pregnancy, come back, fly into Houston, Austin, Dallas, wherever, San Antonio, and they arrest you, is that constitutional? Because are they restricting your right to travel? You heard Joe Biden today talk about 15 minutes. He said, if y'all try to pass, this is a law. We got another constitutional issue. Just a question of federalism. Texas can't tell New York what to do unless you can. And if you can, you sound like Roger Taney and Dred Scott. Women, in other words, have no rights anywhere in the country that, 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 that these people are bound to respect. It is, it, it, now, if people say, well, you're comparing uh, women to slaves. I'm sorry. Number one, don't you realize that most of the people who were held in slavery in this country were women? So black women, not women. This is the question. See, probably all with gender and race. Y'all stop trying to make intersectionality. There is no such thing as gender where there's solidarity between white women and black women. If there were, this wouldn't have been overturned because all them white women wouldn't have voted for Trump. But the point is this. <laughs> we're talking now about a fascinating question. The question you raise is the question. And I'll just say very quickly on this, very quickly, that as this project advanced across the continent and they began to continue to displace the Aboriginal people, the first crisis, which wasn't resolved in the Constitution, was the Civil War. What's the status of these Africans? Because in the South, they said, well, we don't, you know, we, at the end of the Civil War, the South is drugged back into the Union. But that only creates a temporary cessation of conflict. They're going to use federalism. The idea that states got rights. And you can't stop us from enslaving them, but we're going to pass laws to discriminate against them. So it takes another hundred years. And guess who has to come again and say, now nah, we're going to rescue this thing, not because we love it so much, but because if it falls, we're going to be the ones that get hurt. Black people, that's called a civil rights movement. After the civil rights movement, these people regroup again, and they have finally got the number to get their swing punch back. This is a continuing boxing match. That's why I say it ain't 50 years. It's not 100 years. It goes back to the Constitution. And guess how they figured out a way to preserve their ideology. And by this, I mean straight white supremacists. It's called the Electoral College and the representative form. In other words, until you overwhelm us with numbers, and even if you do, we'll whisper in your ear and say, look, we know you Latino, but you Catholic too, and you know you don't want to friend. Unless you can overwhelm us, we can always have white minority rule in this country. And that's what we're seeing right now. So yeah, it's about, it's about half and half, Prof. About, about half the states is legal to terminate a pregnancy, and in the other ones, there are three, there's several categories. One is called pre-Roban's. You know what a pre, pre-Roban? Oh, I was going to go through. Uh, okay, Alabama. why don't you do it? Lay, lay it out for us because people okay. might not okay. understand so. just what's about happening right now. Yes, ma'am, please. All right, please. so there were, there were states like uh, Alabama, 
Arkansas, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, because South Dakota, that that had bans in uh, and, and they were waiting for Roe v. Wade to be overturned, which tells us that they knew it was going to happen. Because why would you state legislatively pass a ban on something that was still legal federally, Tennessee, Utah, Utah, Wisconsin, Wyoming, uh, and West Virginia. Now, I'm still not clear if, if I'm in Texas and I go to New York and I come back, can I be arrested? It's going to go into court. It's going to, co- go to it's court. Go to court. Texas, they probably yeah, will Texas. arrest you, but then take it to the court. Well, now- or, or, or what, they, what they may do is suspend that law until it works its way through the courts. Because in Texas, they're going to tell you you're going to jail. In New York, they're going to say, try us. In other words, this is exactly what happened before the Civil War. When nobody returned the Africans to enslavement, and so once you escaped to the Pennsylvania, they was in Philly like, are them boys from Virginia up here? Let's get it on. And then, in other words, this is what we're on the verge of. Texas ain't even got that kind of muscle. So, yes, it's going to go through the courts, Prof. The only question is, are they going to allow it to go into effect? Or are they going to suspend it while it works through the courts? But that question you raised, there is no clear answer, except perhaps that they may have stocked this federal bench to the point where they can do that. And then you've, you've thrown the entire legal system into chaos. You've thrown okay. the entire legal, because okay. you're dealing with federalism at that point. Yeah. So what's the recourse? Uh, we're going to talk about that. 866-801-8255. I want to get a couple of people in. They want to talk. So we're going to get some callers in. But I want I want to answer this question. What comes next? What's next? You say marriage between blacks like we're not different races how are they gonna bring loving versus virginia back into this is this about the preservation of whiteness 866-801-8255 we're gonna answer that question eunice in the dmv area wants to talk hi eunice it's my turn wait are you whispering hi Hi. yes hey hi this is absolutely just absolutely amazing i love having the opportunity to like you know, be able to speak, um, and particularly for Dr. Carr, I want to know kind of like, as I'm a young, you know, a young black student, I actually do go to Howard University myself, um, okay. you know, how can I, you know, fight to, I'm going into law, I'm fighting to, you know, make a change, because I don't want to feel like I can't do anything, you know? Yes. Oh, wow, Eunice. I feel the same way. Let me put it this way, because, you know, when I went to law school and after I clerked for the NBCP Legal Defense Fund, Sherilyn Eiffel was there at the time, young staff attorney. I realized that in many ways, the law ends up to be your honor, please. <laughs> so we could just throw all the law books out of it. It becomes a question of interpretation. And this is certainly what we see here with Roe. I think in terms of making a change, given those uh, three kind of principles we heard, Professor Hunter lay out, paying attention, caring deeply, and strategize how to navigate power. I think the practical application of that for somebody who is going into the law is to not only continue to file lawsuits, but to organize at the same time. I think we have to uh, already begin to marshal our resources. So I I hate to make this comparison, particularly as a person of African descent, but I'm going to make it because I think it's terribly effective in this moment. There's going to have to be an underground railroad for protecting women. And I know you said that probably, you know what I'm saying? If I want to terminate a pregnancy, I need to get the hell out of Mississippi or Tennessee or some of these other places who have trigger laws. And you need to be able, finally, Eunice, to not only contribute to that work while you're studying, while you're pursuing the law, while you're making the legal arguments, 
but also help regular people demystify the law because we hold the law in such high regard because we've been propagandized to help people understand how to break it down because it, when people say it doesn't make sense, it usually doesn't make sense, but it's going to take those of us with legal training to help people understand that, uh, Eunice. Thank you. And God, Eunice, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for calling. Yes. Uh, let me just say this, not just the underground railroad. I was thinking today, cause you know, I'm constantly planning, constantly planning. Yes. And I was really sad because, you know, in the fifties and sixties, and I got to interview people in the forties who integrated Prudential. And I was talking to a woman who was part of my church who talked about, you know, getting out of college. They, t they the urban league at the time had a group of women uh, in particular, because women were less threatening and they weren't as scary. And they trained them for months, how to be spat upon and cussed at and beaten to withstand, you know, all of the racism that they would experience to integrate, right? And all yes. over the country, they trained and then they had, they whittled it down to like the four that were the most ready to go integrate. But that was a, a concerted effort and a plan. The Freedom Rides, right? And, Ooh, and no. the lunch counter, there was a whole machine behind having rows and rows of mostly students come in, sit at the counter, get their ass whooped, next row, arrest, row get your ass whooped go get arrested next row to break the back of something but it was a strategy and i was saying to myself today with lament that the apparatuses uh, apparati if it's latin that were in place then aren't in place now because those organizations have been bought and sold <laughs> mm -hmm. the people who run those organizations are now multimillionaires and very comfortable and very old in terms of passing the baton they're run by people who are in their 50s and 60s and heading into their 70s and we no longer have the 20 something year old students like Eunice who are both organizing like John Lewis and them right uh, you know the Pettus Bridge couldn't happen today we go when it's you know George Floyd into them streets but that's not a strategy that's anger in the moment and that's a you know an utterance it's not a plan so i was saying to myself not just the underground railroad but i want to see mississippi and louisiana and texas flooded with people coming in set up an abortion truck come get an abortion arrest us let's go and let there be millions of people coming in because you can't arrest everybody and if you do you look crazy and let that be the center but i don't see who can organize something like that dr carr because as much as we need to get people out yeah. we need to pour people in to these places because we need numbers in places like south dakota and north dakota they're ripe a million black folk coming into south dakota and the living is nice there the air is clean y'all i'm saying <laughs> like that would change the political landscape dramatically it would if we could organize it. I tell you, though, this and this is where, again, it, 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 as an intellectual proposition, it's intriguing. The sad thing about it is that we live in the real world, which means it has real world consequences. Imagine this, and, and you know, how many people who support a woman's right to choose and the broader right to privacy, marry who you want, get kind of, how many of those people in their personal lives, their social lives and their cultural lives oppose that behavior see here's the problem so if you say well i am supporting the right to privacy the idea that i have the right to do with my body i have the right to do with my family i have the right to do with my partner what i want but i am against the specific behavior see this is the this is the challenge there are two different things going on here mm -hmm. part of the the, the 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 success of the human freedom movement that we often refer to as the civil rights movement is 
it was clear that all of those young people and Martin Luther King and Ralph Abernathy and Dorothy Cotton and Septon McClark and all them, Ella Baker, were on the side of the angels. There's a clear villain there. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But the minute we get involved in, when we commingle cultural issues, and finally, when the stakes are so high that the cultural issues are obscured by the real issue here. See, the real issue here, I don't think is the cultural wars or anything else. The real issue that we have to ask ourselves, as you know better than any of us, who benefits from this chaos. See, there's a reason why Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema can't come off because they are wholly owned subsidiaries of finance capital. But the problem is the capitalists can't make any, uh, they can't make any decisions without political support. So they have to buy a legislature. So the real problem, the, the lead, what led up to today was the Supreme Court appointments was Shelby Co uh, County versus Holder, which kind of curtailed, got elections close enough to steal. By the way, Merrick Garland, you got the guts to slap Andrew Gillum in chain in cuffs. You need to slap everybody else in cuffs. But that's why Benny Thompson, I believe, is stringing this thing out through July because he's putting what he's putting on trial is the Justice Department. See, you making it so that they they got to indict somebody because you get anyway. Back to the point. What we see then is. We are faced with a dilemma that's going to require us to choose a side. And whereas in the civil rights movement, everybody was on the side of the angels, it was easy. What is happening now is that the capitalists, and by now all the capitalists in the world, I'm talking about the people who own enough stuff that they can buy senators. But the, the thing that turned them loose overwhelmingly, the thing that would put ads on the TV, so the people in Mississippi and Louisiana and Georgia, when you pull that truck up, People who look like us will be out there fighting you because they've seen the same ad on TV a million times. You see, that would be 2010. Johnny John, John John Roberts, who now has a runaway train, he can't do nothing with. It's called Citizens United. Okay. Now, now there's no right to privacy in the Constitution, John John, but there is under the First Amendment of freedom of speech that you extended to corporations. That ain't in the Constitution either. Once you read the document, you realize y'all making it up. Most of what we call a law in this country is judge-made law. And when they decide to change something, they can either go to what the judges before them said, that would be called precedent, or they can go back to the original document, depending on their politics. And there are going to be people who say, oh, it's not political. You better go read Amy Comey Barrett. Read her concurrence in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, the one they, where they tell you now you can get your, your carry license in New York. Let me, let me just very quickly quote what she says. This is her concurrence. Because in New York now, be afraid. Be very afraid about this. She says, to name just a few unsettled questions, how long after ratification may subsequent practice illuminate original public meaning? I'll tell you what the handmaid just asked right there. How long after the law is in place is it now beyond my capacity to go and play James Madison? <laughs> in other words, wait, so I'm going to re-internet. Imagine this. You got a Negro from Pinpoint, Georgia. Who, if he had his way, his own ass would have his shirt off picking cotton or in a rice field in South Carolina. It's up. Imagine this what the framers meant. Amy Comey Berry says, how long does a time have to elapse before I can go back and interpret what they say? Now, Stephen Breyer in dissent in the New York case said this. Based on y'all logic, you went back in history and Alito did it in the abortion case, too. All these statues against what you went back in history and cherry picked history to make your story. You ignored, that's why if you read the, the New York State Rifle Association, Breyer's dissent, he starts with the number of people who have lost their lives to gun violence in this country in the last two years. The number of mass shootings just this year. He says, 
Oh, so y'all want to talk about history? Can we talk about yesterday? Oh, y'all forget about yesterday. You jumped all the way back over to the damn British versus the colonists and forgot about the last six months. So anyway, I apologize. <laughs> so because this is what that is where they're going. Exactly. Come on, Prof. And again, pay attention. You know, all oh, slavery is never they can never enslave people again until they do. But these things don't happen overnight. These are the birth pains that are talked about in the those of you who read the, the Bible. Birth pains. You know, yes. you don't just have a baby. There's contractions yes. that come. Contractions, then there's a period of calm. And then, you know, after your water breaks, there's, there's more contractions. And then they come faster and faster and faster until the baby is born. And the baby in this case is... Mm, what do we call this baby? This baby is evil. This is like, oh, I know, Damien. That's the that's this dressed baby. It all black like the omen. Shout out to little Kim. <laughs> <laughs> Except uh, I would say dressed in all white like the omen. Yes, <laughs> <Don't>, yes, <laughs> yes. But, right. but probably, I mean, what is that baby though? Is it evil? No, but I, you know, I if we we shouldn't have this conversation here, but. I, <laughs> right, maybe we should. <laughs> so, I mean, but Octavia Butler would say, you know, God is neither good nor bad. God doesn't mm-hmm. have, you know, this is neither good nor bad. It is, it just is, right? And and for those of you who are impacted by it, you have to ask yourself the question: What are you going to do? You know, what what mm-hmm. is it? What is your cost course of action? You know, we all have a course of action. Um, and and, and let, let me, let's be very clear: I'm grateful that your mother didn't terminate the pregnancy that ended up in you. And I know you're grateful for that. The same for me, right? So we're not talking about abortion. Understand behind this conversation is privacy. Griswold versus Connecticut, which Thomas cites, is a decision that declared married couples have a right to contraception. Now, who would say they don't have a right? Somebody who Catholic looking in the Constitution saying they written Lawrence versus Texas 2003, case invalidated sodomy laws and making same-sex uh, activity legal across the country. And then, of course, we remember Oldfell versus Hodges. That was just 2015. Gay couples have a right to marry. Clarence Thomas said all that comes to back to the right to privacy. And since there ain't no right to privacy in the Constitution, them the three I'm going after next. And Alito was in the majority saying, wait, 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 wait. Because he know that's where they going. Pay attention. <sighs> all right. Uh, we got callers. <laughs> we got to go to a break. Uh, again, we're building. There, There's time and a place for everything. There's a time yes. and a place for everything. The work that needs to be done, and this is not like reaction. This is not a reactionary move. This has to be, how do I want the world to look in 100 years? What do I want the world to stand for? What do I want my children or grandchildren, great-grandchildren to be in? And you start to build now. They said, I want a world where white men control everything. That's right. And they have put into place how to get that done. That's right. What's your equal and opposite reaction? Now's the time. It should have been the time. But if you are frustrated and angry, let's get busy. 866-801-8255. Come on home. Come on home to Nubia where we're getting some stuff done. I've warned about how this decision risked the broader right to privacy for everyone. That's because Roe recognized the fundamental right to privacy that has served as a basis for so many more rights that have come to take, we've come to take for granted, that are ingrained in the fabric of this country. The right to make the best decisions for your health. The right to use birth control, a married couple in the privacy of their bedroom, for God's sake. 
the right to marry the person you love. Justice Thomas said as much today. He explicitly called to reconsider the right of marriage equality, the right of couples to make their choices on contraception. Dr. Carr laid it out. That was the president of the United States. All you who, oh, he's old. He's this, he's that. As I said in 2015, it doesn't matter. (laughs) There's more at stake than whether or not the man can ride a bike, whether or not he's, you know, as coherent as you like him to be. What you do know is that if he has the right to pick people on the Supreme Court, they won't be like Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, and the Handmaid's Tale. 866-801-8255. Dr. Gray Carr, thank you for sticking around to the end of the hour. Um, thank you, President. You, you, we were talking during the break, which we always do, um, yeah. and I can't wait to be in community with you tomorrow morning. Uh, those of you who are in Nubia, we are live in Nubia exclusively. When you see us on YouTube, we have had a whole ass conversation with the Nubians right. in the chat. People are right. having conversations with each other. Thousands of people join us That's every right. Saturday, usually early in the mornings on Saturday, yes. uh, eight, yeah. nine o'clock. And uh, then I post it on YouTube sometimes. Um, actually all the time because Dr. Carr convinced me to do that. But, um, but the community, we, we is just give them a taste because then the conversations we have on Monday nights oh with goodness. thousands now that's just the whole office hours. You can't, we don't post that. And that's where we get into the deep dive, the global deep dive. And you keep inviting these marquee figures in the conversation and their minds keep getting blown. Shout out to J- John Jennings and Tracy Sherrod, Larry Crow, and Sister Olabisi. They're like, wow, what is this? Oh, you're, this is a stroke of genius, Professor Hunter. Monday nights is where we begin. <laughs> and that's where people get to ask you questions and have their comment. And, and let me tell you. The ask each other questions. Ask you. I mean, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's a brilliant space. All right. We're here. Uh, you said during the break when we were talking, the environment, there's another there's another ruling coming. Oh, yeah. There are a couple more. Um, the question we have to ask ourselves in the in the case that's going to be coming down in the next couple of days does the EPA, does the Environmental Protection Agency have the power to restrict greenhouse gases in private uh, people and to deal with pollution? The, the Supreme Court is going to say it doesn't. And, th- and there are two things at play there. Number one is the ability of administrative uh, units, EPA, Department of Education, all that to restrict behavior. And that's really what they're after. They're trying to destroy the administrative apparatus. Y'all can't tell us what to do. I do what the hell I want to do. So that's one. And then the other one, of course, is the environment. Because guess what? If the EPA can't restrict greenhouse gases, that infects the world. But guess what? If the executive branch through the administration, through the cabinet level positions, can't uh, issue regs that impact stuff, well, that could deal with COVID. You can't make me wear no mask. Net neutrality. You can't make me get an internet to everybody. I mean, all of this is at play with this case. So while we're talking about role, you understand that what they've done, and I'll, I'll end with this, this is very quickly. It, they've been gunned to foreclose remedies. Whether you're a prisoner, they've foreclosed ways for you to appeal. If you're a victim of police brutality, they say police can do whatever the hell they want to do. Women, of course. Um, and the Miranda case, what they said is you can't sue civilly if they don't give you Miranda warnings. That's setting it up so they can come after Miranda on the criminal side. So all y'all watching Law and Order say you had a right to remain silent. That ain't gonna mean nothing in a minute. And so this environment case is just the next in a very, very radical agenda because they can count. They got six votes. Well, five or possible six to use the language of spades, but they gonna run a Boston. They've After 50 years, they got their Boston set up, prof. Five with a possible. (laughs) 
I would have possibly. No question. <laughs> Janelle in Florida. She's on. She's got her 10-year-old listening. Welcome to the Karen Arthur oh. Show. Hey, Janelle. Hello, hello. I think I have to take you off speaker. Yes, Am I please. echoing at all? No, you're good, okay. though. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Well, um, we were sitting here listening, and oftentimes he peeks, he peeks in when, when I'm listening on Monday uh, nights and on, on Saturday mornings. And he asked me a question, and I really – have no idea. I said, do you want to ask Dr. Carr? And he said, yes. So that's the setup, and I'm going to let you speak with him. What's, okay. Hey, what's his name? What's, Hi, what's, your, what's your name? Hello? Hello, my name is Solomon. Your name is, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What's your name? My name is Solomon. Solomon. Oh, Solomon. oh you are a wise man. Okay. What's going on, Solomon? How are you? Good. Good. What's on your mind, brother? Um, where's the best country to be in? <laughs> Are you in the United States right now? Yes. Then for you, this is the best country to be in right now. In other words, there is no place in the world, Solomon, that is automatically better than any other place. It really depends on where we are. Now, for me, I was born in Tennessee. I'm glad I was raised, but it was based on my family and my community. You've got a pretty strong family, huh? I know you got a strong mother. She's the one making us have this conversation, right? Yes. So, Solomon, let me ask you one quick, one final question. And then, Prof, just, you know, I know we're up against clock, but would you, if you had to pick some place to live, which might have better laws, but to move there, you had to leave your mom, your friends and your family. Would you move there? No. Why not? Because they're <laughs> my friends and family. Exactly. So what's the lesson? We fight where we are, brother. And you're 11 years old. You better see the whole world before you become an ancestor. And you might pick someplace else to stay. But in the meantime, we fight where we are to make the better place. Yes. Great answer. And Solomon and Janelle, thank y'all for being a part of this family. Uh, he's 10, though, Dr. Carr. He oh, 10, my bad, my bad. When's his birthday, Janelle? When's your birthday, Solomon? Uh, he's a palindrome kid. When's your birthday? Um, November the 12th. Wait, no. November the 22nd. All right. So you'll be oh. 11 this year. All right. So he's, he is 11. All right. Okay. Let's, let's, uh, let's quickly, um, and thank y'all, and excellent question. You. Ex excellent we'll question. We'll see you Saturday. We'll see you tomorrow, and we'll see you Monday. That's right. In class, we're we had to jump in. He got to jump in now on office hours. We got to get Solomon in the office hours. Yeah, uh, I can't wait for us to uh, to have Nia. Uh, oh, I shouldn't have said what it is. Okay, Dean in Delaware. <laughs> Dean in Delaware. Hey. Hey, hey, Karen. Hey, Doctor Greg. That was that was so beautiful. Oh my God, I'm smiling so much. That made my week. Uh, that interaction <laughs> with Solomon. Um, what I wanted to say, Karen, is uh, I've been a Karen rebel for years, you know, back to, you know, Armstrong and Sir Michael. Mm. And I, I, I guess you said you're not a prognosticator, but it's amazing how much, how, how much information that you provided back then, if people acted on that information, where, to where we would be. Uh, it's just amazing, you know, like, it, personally in my life, it's been hard to kind of convince people to think outside the box, especially when it comes to registering um, or even registering to, to, uh, to be a Republican. I didn't do that. 
because I'm in Delaware, but I I wasn't independent and I registered to be a Democrat. But just that 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 thought that that uh, that thought process of being um, solutions oriented. So I want to acknowledge you this journey, and it's amazing how much things have turned out that you said like five years ago, six years ago, what have you. So I definitely want to acknowledge you on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, We have about a minute left. I just want to say this. I never want to say I told you so, which is why I work so fiercely every day, Monday through Friday here and uh, every every single day in Nubia Narrative because we can we can do this. Uh, It's very clear. I'm a highly competitive person. I hate to lose. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of losing with people who don't have any vision for what it looks like to win. Uh, So for me, it's not about, oh, I see it. I told you so. It's like, let's go. And if if we can't get this here, we're going to find a place. I promise you. But I'm built for this. So, so I'm excited and I'm so glad to be in community with Dr. Carr, Dr. Senyata Amin, Dr. Mario Beatty. And when we uh, hit December and start to do other things with the young people, Larise coming in with the, I mean, yes. it's just, you know, the vision. Brother Urias. You know, uh, Brother Urias and Carl. I mean, it's the team, but the team, Dr. Carr, there's so much more happening. When we say bring your brick. Yes. Dean, come on home to Nubia. If you're not in Nubia, let's go. We got things to do, but we can only do it together. So I'm one person. I see some things, but it can't happen without all of us. So, Dr. Carr, I will see you tomorrow morning in class. We bright and early tomorrow. Thank you, Carr. Yes. Thank you so much. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.